HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Ithaca, New York boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation among 150 waterfalls. Plan your trip today with help from visitithaca.com. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. It's HRN's 10th anniversary and now our summer fun drive. So show your support for independent, revolutionary, entertaining food radio by becoming a monthly recurring donor. HRN is powered by a passionate community of thoughtful eaters, and we need each and every one of you to show your support so that we can keep bringing you your favorite food podcasts. It takes a village, and every dollar donated, every listener tuning in is essential to our continued success. So set up a donation for $10 every month. You'll show us that you want to be a part of a bright future for HRN. And you'll get one of our brand new limited edition Pizza Pocket t-shirts. So snag your new favorite tea and show us some love. All for the price of about two fancy lattes each month. Go to heritageradionetwork.org slash donate today. And thank you. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Akiko Tema, a food writer and the director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from our studio at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every daily in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi ramen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is so mystery for many people, so I try to demystify it in this program with my good guest. And my guest today is Russell Kohn, who is the chief operating officer at the Mochi Ice Cream Company, Mochitoki, which is based in New York City. And uh, Mochi Ice Cream is uh, super popular in the U.S. and other global markets. So we'll dig into uh, the charm of the special delicacy. And Russell is also working on Masake production. Masaki is not very well known outside of Japan yet, but it is another sweet item with lots of culinary background, cultural background, and culinary background as well, and full of nutrition. So we'll discover Masaki with Russell as well. 
Um, but quickly before we start, Japan Needs is available on the Heritage Radio Network website as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Also,、uh, if you have any ideas about the topics of the show or show guests, please let us know. You can email us at japanneeds.heritageradionetwork.org or akikokatema.com. And I have a quick announcement for chefs who are interested in cooking Japanese food in a competition that will bring you to Japan. So, the Japanese Culinary Academy, which is、um, an NPO founded by a group of top chefs and researchers in Japan in 2004, is organizing the seventh Japanese culinary arts competition. And it's a biannual event、uh, with non- where non Japanese chefs working abroad compete using their skills and knowledge of Japanese cuisine. And the competition is conducted in two phases. The contestants first compete at the regional level at one of the four worldwide regions outside Japan. The winners of the regional competitors are invited to Japan, expenses paid,、uh, for the final competition to be held in Kyoto in March t- 2020. And the regional competitions will be held in Seoul, Hong Kong, New York, and London between September 19 and January 2020. And the winner of the competition will receive 1 million yen, which is about over 9,000 US dollars. And for details, please go to www.japanculinaryacademy.com. Again, it's japanculinaryacademy.com. Now let's start a conversation with Russell Kong. Hello, Russell. Welcome. Hi, how are you doing? It's great to be here. So I'm very excited and thank you for your present of. <laughs> for a box of、uh, mochi ice cream. I am so excited. One of the pleasures of working for an ice cream company is bringing <laughs> ice cream with me. <laughs> yeah, everyone's happy. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so、uh, first of all,、uh, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Sure.、Uh, I'm from the south side of Chicago. I grew up in the city、um, and I actually grew up keeping kosher. Um, in my house, we,、uh, we kept kosher, which meant we didn't have any pork, we didn't mix meat and milk,、um, only meat that had been、uh, killed in the proper manner.、Um, outside the house, we, we would eat in restaurants, but we would only eat uh, uh, pescatarian, essentially.、Mm. Um, so when we went out,、uh, sushi was actually a favorite spot because、uh, we could order、uh, sushi and, and eat the fish and、mm. enjoy.、Um, but we actually never had any, any、uh, shellfish. Um, so it was、uh, a very narrow slice of sushi. But we also, you know, I grew up with、uh, unfussy cooking, I would guess I would call it. My parents are both good cooks, but、um, uh, they like to experiment, and it's, it's really more cooking than chefing in an interesting way.、Mm, okay, it sounds like、uh, very interesting, but very、uh, intense <laughs> <laughs> when you grew up. So,、um, but we initially met when you were working at the Japanese sake business. So, how did you start、uh, getting involved in the Japanese food industry? Sure. So,、uh, I actually come from a finance background. I worked as an investor for 10 years,、um, first with a mutual fund in Chicago and then with a hedge fund here in New York. Surprise.、Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and so I got out of the,、uh, the, the finance side of things to get onto the business side because that's where you really create something new. And I was excited for that, that、mm. possibility. 
Um, but I started out, as you said, working, uh, uh, co-founding a sake brewery, mm. uh, Brooklyn Kuro, which is now operating in Sunset Park in Industry City. Mm. Um, and when I left uh, 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 the finance world, I really wanted to explore uh, something that was really untapped, an opportunity that that uh, wasn't wasn't being offered to consumers. And mm. you know, there's so much beer on the market, there's so much wine on the market. But I was drinking more and more sake and enjoying it, and I didn't see sake on the market. Mm. And I could homebrew beer, and I could homebrew wine or cider. Why not homebrew sake? And so it started with making it at home and then uh, built from there to saying, okay, well, if we can make it at home, why not make it for consumers in their own homes? Wow. And uh, ended up partnering up with uh, Brian and Brandon, who I know you've had as guests here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and so I was co-founder of Brooklyn Core alongside them. Mm, so it sounds like you have a very entrepreneurial mindset. Uh, I think it uh, it comes from sort of the curiosity of liking to explore uh, mm. what you can do and trying new things. Right. Oh, people think about it, but people usually don't actually <laughs> do things. So that's amazing. Um, okay. So, uh, so Mochidoki is a producer of a premium mochi ice cream based in New York City. And how did you become a part of Mochidoki? Uh, so in 2017, uh, I was introduced to the uh, the guys who run Mochidoki, one of the founder and one of the investors, and uh, they they asked me if I would I would come and and uh, assist uh, with the company and help grow it. Uh, at the time, I was in the process of selling my stake in Brooklyn Kura to Brian and Brandon, who run it now. Um, and the, so the opportunity to come join Mochidoki, which was experiencing explosive growth, and Mochi ice cream has gotten so much great attention. Mm-hmm. And I really love the brand that. Uh, uh, Ken Gordon, our founder, created and the sense of uh, quality and his dedication to high quality ingredients and premium flavors, Mm -hmm. uh, which he really instilled in the company. And so that opportunity to come join and grow, uh, you know, not just sort of a you know, the brewery, small brewery in New York is fun and interesting, mm. but now we get an opportunity to play on a national scale and actually more and more on an international scale, mm. which is fantastic. Right. Um, yeah, well, the I I see, like, for instance, Whole Foods, they carry mochi <laughs> ice cream, too. So um, what is uh, mochi ice cream by definition? Yeah, sure. Uh, so mochi ice cream is a ball of ice cream wrapped in mochi, which is a rice cake uh, made from... Machiko flour and sugar and water. Mm-hmm. Um, so the inside is the same ice cream that you would find in a pint shop or you know, if you go and buy Haagen-Dazs, et cetera. It's, it's ice cream. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do it in any number of flavors. And one of the things we pride ourselves on is the variety of our flavors. You mm-hmm. know, We have the standard green tea and red bean and black sesame, mm-hmm. but we can also uh, do passion fruit and mango, and we can do a delicious raspberry crunch, and we try to explore what ingredients Inclusions we can put in chips, mm. etc. Well, I think uh, yeah, and it's a, it's like a white canvas, right? In a way, and also the mochiko is uh, you know the sweet rice, sticky rice. Yeah. So basically, it's gluten free too. Yes, absolutely. So that's huge. Well, and the beauty of mochi is it's handheld. It's, it's you know it's a uh, how, when do you get to eat ice cream with your hand? You <laughs> pick it up and and it's there. You know it's a handheld treat. It's bite sized, so you know you don't have to feel guilty afterwards I ate a whole pint it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun right and also I think um, I like you know summer nights go out and then I have ice cream shop I just like <laughs> messy melting which is kind of fun but then I don't have to have a stain well much and, ice cream <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely right okay and uh, so what's the history of a much ice cream 
So mochi ice cream is was created in the early 90s uh, at, by a company in Los Angeles. They actually, they're still making mochi ice cream. Um, it's really a, a, the marriage of a Japanese uh, dessert, mochi, and an American dessert, ice cream. And so it's a uniquely American melting pot bringing them together. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, um, and just to add, that's American history. And uh, <laughs> in 1981... Um, there's a, a company called Lotte, and it's a major sweet company, like, you know, manufacturer. Yep. And uh, they created the Yukimi Daifuku. That's like basic, the same idea of mochi. And, I mean, to me, first time I heard about it, it's a mochi is kind of, you know, it's the savory stuff. Yep. And then why something inside <laughs> is sweet, and I, I kind of panic, it's, it's no way. But then it started to be really popular. And I think nowadays they serve even at um, uh, school lunches because you can make it nutritious too. Yep. So. Well, I think one of the things that, that uh, mochi for the American market is it's very different from the Japanese market. An American consumer wants a much sweeter dessert. Mm. And when we make our ice cream, we're very honest and upfront about it. our consumer is an American consumer. We're not trying to be something we aren't mm. um, but uh, Japanese people who who eat our dessert may find it more sweet than they're used to with a savory mochi mm. um, but it's it really uh, fits the American palate mm. right and uh, I was curious though because it's a uh, you know mochi is sticky yeah. and when it's frozen it gets very hard so what how do you make it fluffy uh, very very carefully it's uh that's that we've spent a lot of time developing our recipe and perfecting it so that was the right combination of soft um but and not too sticky uh and it comes out of the freezer just perfectly ready to eat Mm -hmm. that's really that's a place where our uh our chef spent a ton of time uh perfecting that recipe and pinning it down and we're really proud of that i think it separates us from the other Mm -hmm. mochi ice cream on the market right so but chemically you have to add something like uh other ingredients too? Uh, so, so it has to do, so when the way mochi is made is you combine the ingredients, um, you uh, uh, blend them, and then you steam them. Mm. And so the dough that you get on the outside, the ice cream is actually steamed already. It's pre-cooked. Mm. And so the temperature, the duration, uh, the uh, humidity level at which you're steaming it, um, and then how you package it around the ice cream all play a factor in mm. what the consistency is of the dough when it comes out of the ice cream mm. or out of the freezer. Okay. So, but there's no addition? Like, it's a secret, <laughs> I guess, it's, right? a, it's a secret recipe. Right. Yeah, it's like, a, I always wonder, you know, it's like dream. And I, not just mochi ice cream. I want to have that everywhere, you know? And it's like Japanese wagashi. It's a daifuku. Yep. It's the, the mochi, like fluffy. And uh, so I think the same idea, but, you know, with the temperature, like I was always wondering, how do you do that? Well, it's funny, you know, mochi is something that I, we, so we sell our mochi to high-end Japanese restaurants around the country. And when I tell people that we're served in Nobu and Tao and Blue Ribbon and, you know, some Michelin star restaurants, they're always surprised, wow, they don't make it themselves. And, you know, the answer is it's very hard to make in a a kitchen, in a restaurant, and we can do a much better job of it. Mm. And so they choose to source it from us because we're the highest quality provider of mochi ice cream on the market mm. and they trust us and and that's what really separates us from mm. uh, from the other mochi ice cream out there right 
And also maybe that's, um, you know, for Japanese restaurants tend to have a specialization. So if you have a reliable vendor, you don't try by yourself because they, that's a very long-term relationship in the Japanese cuisine restaurants. So like best combo makers, like best whatever. So that's kind of an interesting idea. Yeah, too, we're, we're really proud of those partnerships. And, and you know, now you can, you can take that uh, mochi that's as good as, as you can get at these high-end restaurants and you can eat it right at home. And, and, mm. uh, and you can bring that into your home, own home and serve it to your family and to your friends and, mm. and enjoy it there. Right. Well, the uh, Japanese restaurants tend to be really known for not have good desserts for a long time. <laughs> so maybe that's a good addition. We're happy to be changing. And, you know, we're, we're growing really quickly. So we're seeing it uh, in more and more restaurants around the country. Mm. And as a regular, like, people like, like me can order. Absolutely. We, uh, we sell it on our website at mochidoki.com. You can mm. go on and we ship it uh, directly to your home. Uh, you can buy uh, uh, all sorts of different flavors. We offer 15 regular flavors year-round and mm. seasonals all the time. And it's the same the same mochi that uh, we're selling to those high-end restaurants. Mm. I was looking at the website. So I was curious, what's Thai tea flavor? <laughs> so Thai tea is a mix of uh, 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 Thai spices. So anise, cardamom, uh, there's a little bit of cinnamon in there. It's it's a, a blend that's a, like a chai. Mm. Um, and we actually steep the cream that in those spices and uh, and then make the ice cream out of it. So it's made from all of the actual spices themselves. We never use any artificial extracts. We never use any flavorings. It's always the purees that you actually come from the fruit, the, the spices, the teas, etc. Mm. Wow. Okay. So I'll... Try later. <laughs> passion um, fruit's my favorite. You got to try the passion. Oh fruit. really? Ah, okay. Um, all right. And actually, you know the raspberry crunch. What's the crunch part? So we actually we use these small uh, uh, white chocolate pearls that bring a little bit of sweetness and really nice texture. And actually, those inclusions, those additions, are one of the things that we really enjoy playing around with because it it changes the texture mm. and really adds to the experience. Interesting. Yeah, so, so the mochi ice cream is some really, um, you know, good luck American companies came up, like the commercial, like marketing very well. And uh, another thing, I, I'm going to have a guest of kakigori, you oh, know, yeah, the shave ice sometime soon. So, yeah, well, go with Japanese sweets. People don't know <laughs> too much yet. So, anyway, so uh, we'll take a quick break here. And when we, when we come back, we'll discuss uh, Russell's uh, intriguing new business to make amazake. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Visit Ithaca. Located in New York's Finger Lakes region, Ithaca boasts an authentic craft beverage experience, tasty farm-to-table culinary adventures, and scenic outdoor recreation. As the saying goes, Ithaca is gorgeous. The city is home to 150 waterfalls and gorges sprinkled through its downtown and sloping hillsides. State parks and acres of natural lands offer outdoor recreation for every level of enthusiast. Come stroll among the cool ravines, scenic hiking trails, and natural vistas. Ithaca is home to Ivy League Cornell University and Ithaca College, resulting in an influx of new cultures, new tastes, and new energy every year. There's so much to explore, from art galleries and museums to unique attractions like the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. 
Ithaca sits at the heart of a blossoming heritage and craft cider industry. Some of these delicious ciders can be bought in market, but many of the most unique varieties can only be experienced with a visit to Ithaca and this great cider region. Go to visitithaca.com to get inspired and plan your trip today. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese broadcasting live from a studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I'm your host, Akiko Katema, and my guest today is Russell Kohn, who is the Chief Operating Officer of the Mochi Ice Cream Company, Mochidoki, uh, the premium producer of Mochi Ice Cream. And he's starting up an exciting company that will produce Amazake in New York. So let's talk about Amazake. So you are uh, starting up a company um, that's... What is the product? It's a mazake. So, um, so what is a mazake? I, I don't think people know too much about it. No, yeah. So, so just to step back for a minute, when I uh, before I joined Mochidoki, uh, I had learned about amazake and enjoyed amazake, which I'll describe in a second. When but I was but at how did you operate? It's a very obscure concept. So, amazake is it literally means sweet sake. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a non-alcoholic sweet probiotic rice milk. Um, it has the texture consistency, almost like rice milk. Uh, it can actually it can vary from a little more almost like oatmeal. It's like porridgey to smoother, more like milk. Um, and the flavor can vary widely. Um, and it's often made by sake breweries in Japan because the process of making is is related to the sake brewing process. Mm. Um, so it was natural when I was at Brooklyn Kura to think about other things that sake breweries make. And this was something um, we explored. And so actually I was working on it before I joined Mochidoki. And when mm. I joined Mochidoki and took this full-time job and wasn't able to work on Amazake, my wife actually uh, uh, took over the Amazake side of, uh, of our our enterprise, and so she's spending. She's working full time on that, and mm. and I help out as well, and oh. uh, and we team up on it. I'm glad she was available <laughs> to do that. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. So, um, what are the ingredients? Just to get into a little deeper. Sure. So, uh, amazake is made from rice, water, and koji. Um, and one of the wonderful things about it is how simple those ingredients are. There's no uh, carrageenan or thickeners that you see in other uh, non-dairy milks. And we're really excited about being able to put those three together and they, they transform into this delicious, healthy drink. Mm. Um, now, the, the key to that is the koji. Mm, koji. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems like a frequent guest on your show. Yeah, I, I'm kind of obsessed about koji. So, um, yeah, and then the, the koji spore, like culture company guy. Uh, yeah. Koji is coming in a couple of weeks and I'm very excited. But the koji really um, is going to be a very important keyword in this whole global culinary world, I, I can predict for sure. Absolutely. I mean, koji is responsible for all, all sorts of wonderful flavors in Japanese cuisine, but its adjuncts in other cuisines um, have a lot of impact. But, right. And so, Rene Redzepi uh, of Noma, in his yeah. book that came out last last year, he mentioned, he was a chapter of a Japanese fermentation. Of course, he mentions a koji. So. He mentions amazake, too. With, uh, it gets a mention in there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it, the koji really is responsible for creating a lot of uh, a lot of the sense of umami in Japanese cuisine and it's responsible for uh, making sake what it is which is why sake breweries 
make amazake mm. because they're already making koji. They already have steamed rice. Mm. Uh, and so it's natural to combine them and, and make it as a, as a drink on the side. Right. So koji basically converts、um, starch to sugar. And、Correct. the sugar is converted to CO2 and alcohol in like sake production case. So, the amazake,、uh, what happens? You. So, I know there are two ways to make it, right? Yeah.、Like、yep. You can make it from koji or from kasu, which、mm-hmm. are the sake lees after、right. you press out. Right. So, the the, the, that one, the sake lee, has a koji built in already. Correct. In and, and it has some alcohol as well. So, technically, unless you extract that alcohol in another way, it actually is a little bit alcoholic.、Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, uh, so, essentially, amazake、uh, is sake. Without the yeast. So you skip that process where the yeast converts the sugar into CO2 and alcohol,、mm. and you, you just leave the sweet rice、mm. uh, without converting it into alcohol.、Right. So it's, it's quick, right? It's like a, people say overnight.、Uh, you yeah,、know? you can do it very quickly. 12 hours can be enough time.、Mm. Um, and so it's much faster than sake production, which can take 30 days or longer.、Mm. Well, it sounds easy, but koji <laughs> is a very interesting creature. To do it. So, yes. Yes, thank goodness Ko- you're making a company to make <laughs> Koji is a character all in its own. And,、uh, you know, it's known as the national fungus of Japan. And、uh, it's, it's personified in manga or in, in、uh, anime in Japan、mm-hmm. with its own, <laughs> its own uh, uh, character. Um, but it's, it's very sensitive to temperature and the consistency of the rice and、uh, humidity. And so, the process of making it,、uh, you have to be very careful to control the environment it grows in. And it's, it's temperamental.、Mm, right. And so, amazake, it's kind of like、um, very thick. Mm-hmm. It's, a sake, it's sake, but it's not a liquid. It's more like a thick, pasty it, it, texture. It depends. So you can make it, it depends on how much water you add,、mm-hmm. um, how, what the, the ratio of rice to water to koji,、um, and how long you ferment it, at what temperature.、Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of variables you can control. And one of the things that、um, we're doing is、uh, making an amazake that. Uh, we think American consumers are going to be more interested in. So you can buy amazake、mm. in like tetra pack cartons、um, at Japanese grocery stores now, but what you get tends to be sort of like a, a very sweet,、um, slightly artificial. Tasting version of it because it's made for export and all of the、mm. challenges of, of、uh, sitting on a shelf for long periods of time.、Right. So, making a fresh amazake, you know, if you go to a brewery in Japan, the fresh amazake you taste is going to be very different、mm. from that Tetra Pak version.、Right. Um, and so, we're excited to try to, to create something that an American consumer doesn't, that doesn't feel too uh, 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 difficult for、mm. them to get their arms around. Right. And,、uh, Well, by the way, in the Japanese market, because it's so naturally sweet, people use it in、uh, you know, like pancakes or muffins、yeah. or some like actually ice cream. Yeah, that was like ice cream. Absolutely.、Oh, I've, I've, made it. I've done it. I've done it. I've tried it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it must be really good, right? <laughs> it's, it's delicious. It's,、uh, there, there are challenges on making it at scale. So we're not, we're not doing amazake、uh, mochi quite yet. Yeah, well, <laughs> coming my, soon. <laughs> my wife actually does a lot of baking with our amazake, experimenting with different flavors、mm. um, and different recipes.、Right. And for her, part of it is she can't have gluten.、Um, and so the, the, the starch from the rice,、uh, it, it produces. 
is a really nice base for baking. Mm. Um, but also, uh, she's really excited about the aspects of a, a natural sugar that isn't, uh, it, you know, there's no added sugar in it. It does have carbohydrates from the rice, mm-hmm. um, but it's a very healthy form of sugar. Right. And the probiotic. And probiotic, mm. exactly. And that comes from the enzymes that are produced by the koji. Um, it produces a lot of amylase and protease. Um, kojic acid, which are all very healthy in the digestion mm. process. So, what happens like if you have sounds like it's a probiotic, so it comes down to your gut, and then maybe may not stay colonized, but pass and so, leave a good stuff in your gut. Yeah. So, so koji, or so the koji is generally not still alive when you consume the amazake um, because the koji is killed in the production process. Mm. Um, so, actually, it's it. Probiotic um, might not be the right term. Prebiotic is Mm. the term that you often see used, which refers to having the nutrients that are very healthy for your uh, uh, microbiome Mm. in your stomach. Those are the, the sugars and carbohydrates that your body consumes to produce healthy digestion. Mm. So it doesn't raise insulin or anything like sugar, maybe? More Correct. Common. It's it's supposed to be uh, a very uh, uh, low... Or the, it's on the glycemic index. It's, mm, it's much so milder. better. Than some, exactly. Mm, um, healthy. Mm. <laughs> and delicious. Mm. And uh, I think vitamins, I heard, is like reaching certain vitamins or something. Yeah, so the, the uh, B vitamins and, uh, uh, once again, the kojic acid, a lot of the amino acids that are, that are produced as a part of the process, um, it's it's very healthy and rich in nutrients that are good for your body and they're accessible. Mm. You know, unlike in some supplements, that's not in a form that it, your body is going to digest as efficiently. Mm. Um, so it's, it's sometimes described as a pre-digested food because it's very easy for your body to access those mm. nutrients. Wow, that sounds like a magic food. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. It makes it, you know, it's funny. I pour it over my cereal in the morning and wow. it's very filling and uh, it, it makes for a great breakfast. Mm, interesting. So, um, yeah, so, the, but how, why did you decide to commercialize it? Like, you had a big prediction, it's going to be good. <laughs> I mean, there's your reasons that we just discussed. I mean, similar to the sake, uh, my wife and I were, were, you know, we were home brewing it. We were making it at home in our kitchen. And when we would share it with people, they'd say, wow, what is this? And um, and we'd say, well, this is this product that's related to the sake production process. And they say, well, probiotic rice milk, why, why can't I get this on, uh, you know, on the shelf at the store? And and we said, well, that's a good question. Why can't you get this on the shelf at the store? Mm. And and whenever uh, whenever you see that, there's a great product. Uh, there are people who want to buy it, but it's not available to them. That's a that's a good sign of an opportunity to really help people uh, mm. get introduced to that food they can't otherwise eat. Right. So I'm gonna go a little dig into the koji part. So you know, to make that thing commercial scale, yep. like amazake, very sensitive, and uh, so. You know, get you get koji spores, and you cook rice like uh, sticky rice. Steam rice, yeah. This is one of the things. Is actually it's supposed to be steamed, not boiled, mm. um, like in the sake production process. Mm. Um, and then you sprinkle the spores over the steamed rice. Uh, and then you hold it at a specific temperature mm. and specific humidity for roughly 48 hours, depending mm. on the, the koji spores you're using. Right. Well, uh, sorry, why do you not... Um, cook like regularly? Why do you steam? Sure. So the reason is that you want the, uh, uh, it has to do with the hydration of 
the rice. So you, you have to be very careful about uh, what the water content of the grain of rice is. And if it just gets uh, too sticky and wet on the outside, the koji spores will only grow on the outside of the grain of rice because it's, it's a fertile environment for them. So you want to make the koji spores work a little bit harder and have to go into that rice mm. to get those nutrients. So you actually, uh, you want it almost, I guess, al dente would be the right right term for it mm. um you don't want just a totally boiled rice to as a as a substrate for that koji mm. spore so if it's too boiled then you don't have that maybe the stickiness doesn't i mean you don't you know, the the uh, koji won't produce as much uh as many enzymes they mm. won't it won't produce as much amylase um and therefore won't uh, uh be optimal for production of the end product mm. and why is sticky rice versus regular japonica so you can you can so you, you can actually grow koji on any rice so mm -hmm. actually what we're using is generally um uh, a calrose um but you can grow it on well there are people now who are doing it on popcorn and they're doing it on barley and and you can grow koji on just about anything mm. um we use calrose to produce the koji, but then you can also use different rices um, in the second stage of the product process mm -hmm. to make the amazake. So you mix the koji with more uh, steamed rice mm. to produce the amazake. Okay, so do you think it changes the taste of the product depending on what kind of rice? Absolutely. Oh yeah, we've done. We've tried all sorts of different rices. You know, we've tried jasmine rice you can do it with forbidden rice and you really get some interesting characters and textures out of it mm. um, whether it's brown rice or white rice uh, you know the polishing rate right. um, all of it factors into what flavors you get out of it mm. i would imagine less polished has more kind of fertile result uh, so the less polished so if you do like a brown rice there's some really healthy uh, there's fiber and uh, other nutrients in the bran um, which hasn't been polished away in the brown rice. And so actually there are some really nice health benefits of using brown rice. Mm. Um, but it also, you taste it. You, you taste the texture of the bran. Mm. Um, but also, um, uh, you know, you get sort of a nuttiness out of the, out of the, the bran of the rice, the outer layer, mm. um, which can be, it, it has a really nice uh, uh, earthiness. Okay, so regardless of uh, the type of spice, like koji can work like productive, as productive as... Yes. Wow. Yeah, so koji can work on lots of different, I mean, any type of rice out there. Um, and not just rice. You can, you can do it on any substrate that offers those carbohydrates to be broken mm. down into the simple sugars by the, right. the amylase. Interesting. So, um, yeah, and you said the, the long grain rice, like, um, you know, the forbidden rice. and yeah. the, the, How does it work? Oh, it works wonderfully. Yeah, mm. and it produces uh, uh, the, some really different flavors, and you, you taste it. You, you can uh, really experience it, and so part of um, commercializing it is saying, okay, here's the right mix mm. of that, um, and it's something, you know, my wife has done a lot of, of work experimenting with different blends of rice, mm. um, or, and not even rice, other grains, um, to really identify what the optimal mix is um, for the f right flavor characteristics that she's looking for. Interesting. So, um, yeah, the that's one of the things I'm so excited about this because as a Japanese person, I think, well, the koji, 
white rice. <laughs> like that's like causation kind of thing. Like you think of it, this, you don't think out of the box, right? But why not? Like, well, you've seen so many uh, chefs. I mean, I'm sure there are chefs in Japan who are doing interesting things with koji mm-hmm. that I just don't have access to being based here in New York. But mm-hmm. you do see a lot of American chefs doing really cool stuff like mm-hmm. uh, Jeremy Umansky at, at Larder in Cleveland. and uh, right, He discussed on the show about curing meat. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and and the idea that you can use, you know, you take a tool and, okay, how can we use this tool mm-hmm. um, without being, uh, uh, you know, sometimes ignorance is, is fertile ground for creating something new. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry about tradition and breaking a knot. So that's awesome. Um, so what kind of products are you thinking once you launch Amazake? Right, I, you can use it for many different ways. So, what's your idea? Yeah, uh, there there are a lot of things in the mix. Amazake is just the first <laughs> one, but okay. uh, we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to be back for another podcast. Yeah, for yeah, that one. it sounds like it. <laughs> there are a lot of there are a lot of items in the roadmap that uh, Carolyn, my wife, is very excited about um, and has been developing, and uh, that that we will see down the road. But I think it's really about saying first. Let's uh, open the world up to this Amazaka that's made here in New York and mm. is totally different from what's on the market. Right. So um, I think my question is, um, so, you know, there's so many ways to utilize Amazaka, this mm-hmm. sweet substance and natural and healthy. So what do you think American people can, how they can use it yeah. in a way healthy and delicious and using your product in the new future. You know, I think uh, we talked about the, the opportunity to bake with it, which is really exciting. But mm. but the first use that I see out there is drinking it as a as a as a beverage. Mm. You know, when you you need to drink something in the afternoon, you're looking for a snack. Mm. This is a healthy, uh, energy rich, nutrient rich way uh, to to uh, feed your hunger and and uh, enjoy along the way. Mm. Um, and that's something we really like to to introduce consumers to. Right. Um, there's a lot of innovation in beverage in particular, and you see a lot of neat new products on the market mm. with people experimenting with uh, how to to turn that beverage into more than just a thirst quencher, mm. whether it's putting in ginger or turmeric or other you know, functional ingredients. Mm. Um, and so we're excited that this is something that isn't out there right now right. and that we have an opportunity to introduce consumers to. Mm. So the format would be um, more liquid product liquid product you take it you know you can drink it directly out of the bottle um pick it up at the store you can take it home with you and and pour it over your cereal for breakfast (laughs) if you'd like like. (laughs) uh but but to do it as a liquid product i think that the opportunity for baking is enormous Mm. um but to be perfectly honest i think that's a smaller market and um it's more challenging to get access to because then you need recipes for it. Mm. And, and people are baking at home. You know, they look for a recipe and, okay, you have to get the marriage of somebody who has the recipe and has access to the product. Mm. Um, I think it's a little bit more challenging. Right, 
But uh, social media, that could work. Social media is absolutely an right. important part of how you publicize a product. You know, mm -hmm. it's, there's a, a big food trade show going on right now mm -hmm. at Javits uh, yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was there yesterday with Carolyn, and it's, it's incredible to see the range of new things people are doing and mm -hmm. things they're trying and um, all the new beverages. It's really exciting, and, and mm -hmm. it's, it's energizing. Right. And I think... Uh, I think we are gradually moving more uh, towards healthier options in the whole community, the society, yeah. American diet is now kind of looking back, we should correct it. <laughs> yeah, so and I, I think Amazake, I heard people see it as an IV. You yeah. know, in the morning, you're <laughs> like sleepy and has low energy. You can just drink it as if you're having good energy. Like Absolutely. Or as, as a workout recovery, as a, as a hangover cure. Mm. Um, oh, that's funny. <laughs> I think, you know, I think one of the things that we're seeing a lot of is people are interested in new sources for sugar. Mm. Um, and so at this show, the fancy food show at Javits, there's so many uh, uh, people offering honey in lots of different forms. And I think the reason for that mm. is that the market is looking for new forms of sugar that are mm. natural, healthy, less processed, and, mm. and they're turning to honey. But amazake could fill that just as well. Mm, right. And also the other effects of prebiotic. Yes. Right. Wow. So when are you planning to launch? Stay tuned. We're, uh, <laughs> we're in the process. It's, you know, everything, uh, 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 everything in due time. It's, uh, it's been a process, but, mm. but we're really excited. It's coming up. Yeah. So good luck. Thank you. Yeah. And so where can we find your um, updates? Uh, so you can find us at www.mochidoki.com uh, for mochi ice cream. Come order. We'll ship it directly to your home. Mm. Um, you can follow us on social media at mochi underscore doki dot mm -hmm. com or mochi underscore doki on Instagram. Um, you can follow me at uh, Russell the Sprout. <laughs> Two S's, two L's, uh, and uh, and uh, yeah, and I'll be sure to post anything there related to the Amazake or mm. Moji and other projects. Okay, so other projects you can spill the beans or anything. Well, there are a couple other projects that are less Japanese food related. I'm actually uh, my wife and I are partners in a in a soju brand, Korean style soju mm. called West Thirty Two, which is available on the market and is something we're really excited about. Um, and, uh, and nomakai, which is also Japanese-inspired. Nomakai is, refers to a drinking party, yeah. <laughs> uh, drinking with friends. And it's a, it's a, a brand of uh, canned wine and cocktails, mm. which you can find on the market. And is really delicious. Right. How many uh, bodies do you have? You have your clones? <laughs> it's amazing how many you can do. I, it's, you know, it's... Uh, uh, some people have hobbies. I, I like to work with people on neat, neat new products. Mm, that's very inspiring. <laughs> Yeah, just keep me posted. Absolutely. Right. All right. So thank you next for joining us. Next yeah. time I'll bring uh, uh, Amazake yeah. and soju <laughs> and maybe a little bit of wine. Yeah, we're going to do Nomikai on the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Russell. All right, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikokotaima.com. Japan Needs is live at 3 p.m. on Mondays and always available at heritageradionetwork.org, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer today is Matt Patterson, and thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. 
For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.